What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Sir, it's the bat phone. Yes, Commissioner. Batman. We'll be right there. Biff, bam, pal. This is Batman land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Batman land. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're Batman and Robin, the crime fighters. We discuss the episodes that aired this week on SBS Viceland. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor here at SBS. And I'm joined here this week by my co-host, the machine guns hosting Fiona Ma Williams. Let's go, Rob. How you doing, Fee? I'm pretty good now, thanks. And I'm very excited to be joined in the studio by Siobhan Coombs. She's the co-host of the Serious Issues comic book podcast and the marketing boffin over (laughs) at King's Comics. Thank you. Thanks for having me. thank you very much for coming in. Uh, We'll do some very quick plugs for Serious Issues. Please. Um, What's the deal? What do you do? So me and a friend, Andrew Levins, every week we read like a ludicrous amount of comics. We read about 50 single-issue comic books every week and we review them all. takes about two hours, but people listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I've been listening to it a bit over the last couple of months, and it's a really good podcast. Thanks. Yeah. And it is a big slog to get through. So, uh, for listeners, <laughs> I think it's the nicest possible. No, no, no I agree. Yeah. It's a big slog to record. <laughs> no, because I've tried this before with previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, back when DC had the new 52, where they rebooted their entire line, yes. Uh, some friends and I had a ill fated attempt at doing a podcast, and one week decided to do like every number one that came yeah. out for that month. It's brutal. It's a lot. And because a lot of them, I get in trouble because a lot of them are just kind of fine. Like yeah. they're just really, they're not bad, but they're not great either. That's hard to review. <laughs> I think Andrew always introduced it as being, you know, the worst and the best yeah. of comics. But you, like, blatantly just said, you know, most of them sit somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wants to say that everything's the best comic of all time or the best <laughs> comic of this week. And I refuse to be pushed into that. Yeah, <laughs> I have Stand to think around. about these things seriously. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Look, I respect that entirely. So you do that and also you work at King's Comics. Now, yes. for people who aren't Sydney-based, they may not know King's Comics. Yeah, King's, we are the largest and oldest and I would argue the best comic book store <laughs> in Australia, if not the world. And we are at Pitt Street in Sydney, but you can also find out everything that we have in stock at kingscomics.com. We have a huge selection of back issues loads of toys and graphic novels and we, we probably get in more single issue comics than any other store in Australia, I think. It's a good range. It's a really good store. So if you haven't checked it out, Thank do you. pop in. Please come down. We're very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is not brought to you by these comics. I'm just <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean, I think cause it's a small industry. Like yes. each state yeah. usually has one or two comic shops for most capital yeah. cities and mm. a few... I mean, Sydney's a bit interesting that there's a few more suburban ones that you find around. Yeah, there are a couple of smaller stores out like um, Parramatta Way and there's um, a couple around, but it's it's hard to maintain that much interest in a fairly small thing, niche interest. Yeah, very much so. Uh, but we are going to chat about Batman. Uh, <laughs> we, I think we should at some point. Uh, we have an episode starring, I think, everyone's favourite villain, Ma Parker. You got it. Yeah. A classic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fiona, I watched the episode. As is the case, I did not understand what was happening. Please run us through it. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a red hot go. So this week's villain has a maternal streak. Mother of the year. Ma Parker. I'm Mrs. Chair Lady. I'll be happy to say a few words. Speak up! She's reared her four kids to be gun-toting outlaws. So she's got Pretty Boy. Oh, Pretty Boy! You're bleeding! Machine Gun. You eat your vegetables, Machine Gun, and you ain't gonna get no dessert. Oh, Ma, I hate carrots. Mad Dog Catcher. Hey, Mad Dog, that's my grapefruit. You want it? Take it. And Legs. Thanks for letting me come along, Ma. Legs is a girl who's trying to be one of the boys, much to Ma's chagrin. Girls just don't belong in crime. But anyway, Ma Parker has pulled heists on every other state and city in the country, apparently. They've terrorised almost every other city in the country. But she's steered clear of Gotham City to date because Batman. Guess who's paying? 
a social call. Batman and Robin. But when she screeches into town and pulls a BB gun on the Mother of the Year ceremony, it's on for young and old. All right, boys, let's relieve these ladies of a few extra pounds. She and the gang fall a little too easily, though, and they all end up in Gotham State Penitentiary. And it's there that her grand plan comes to fruition. Warden, we're taking over your prison. Old Ma Parker is playing the long game here and she takes over the prison to learn from the worst of the worst. Now, I'm going to go out there and say these are not the strongest episodes of the Batman TV show. (laughs) Fair. But I did like something in terms of the rhythm of them where usually it builds up to Batman and Robin being trapped in some sort of, you know, crazy gimmick. Contraption. Yeah, yeah. you know, like a giant magnifying glass or something over the top of them. Or the uh, rotisserie from a couple of weeks back. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty special. <laughs> pretty good in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, but this one, it was really just Batman and Robin were driving away and the entire thing, I mean, there was obviously a stick of dynamite at the back. Yeah. Okay. So there was a bit it was of a threat. A speed. It's yeah. a speed scenario. That's right, Warden. When the speedometer hits 60, the Batmobile blows up. Go yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I just like that it was a bit of a different tone. Yes. To the way this was structured. Uh, so the actual writer of this episode is a guy named Henry uh, Slezak. I think he's how you pronounce it. Slezal. And it's the only time he's ever written for the show. So, you know, I think it's just a bit of a different flavour coming through. Mm, I did note the difference in... in in the tone. Yeah. Now, Siobhan, you have not watched the original TV show before. No. My knowledge of the 1966 Batman purely comes from the movie yeah. and just having a sort of general awareness of it. So this was... I'm, I'm surprised to hear that it wasn't a good episode because I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, no. It's, it's not a bad episode. I think it was just a bit by the numbers. A little bit. There wasn't quite the wit or the, the double entendres in this one that there's quite often. Right. And I have to say, the interesting thing about season two, and Fee and I were discussing this a bit this morning... I thought it was really interesting that season one is very much focused more as sort of a crime program with jokes layered on the top of it, whereas season two is coming from it very much from what everyone remembers Batman as being, which is a silly joke machine with a flimsy plot that usually drives the whole thing. When it was the original crime version of it, it felt like the first episode was always the strongest part as you set up the crime and all of that. And then the second part was always a bit of a chore to get through. Mm-hmm. But I find it sort of flipped now where the first episode, because it is a joke machine, a lot of the setup just kind of feels like it's not going anywhere. And then the second episode is when they just let fly with all the ridiculous jokes. Mm. And I'm loving the second part of these things more. And I definitely felt that with this Mar Parker. Yeah, it, it came on home. Uh, but you knew the movie, which I should say the movie will be on SBS Viceland for Christmas Day. So oh. people enjoy that. Absolutely. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah, a little Chrissy Prezzy from <laughs> SBS Viceland. Yeah, from John at SBS Viceland. But yeah, Siobhan, so you didn't know the TV show. So was the rhythm of it different than you'd really expected? No, it kind of hit all of the points that I absolutely thought it would. There was yeah. like messages for children, but also a couple <laughs> of jokes for the older people. Batman and Robin solving crimes. I mean, pretty poorly. They did a pretty poor job of solving these crimes, I thought. But, Took a while to cotton on that yeah. they were being had. I was surprised by the, the crime machine. Ah, there's the answer. Yes. Because Batman's whole thing is that he has trained his mind to be the world's <laughs> greatest detective. I didn't realise he just had, like, a computer that he put options into that then told him how to solve it. His mind gets Weak. a bit of a workout. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fine. Now, this episode, there's a lot of misogyny going on with Ma Parker and the way that she treats her daughter not being as good as her three sons because apparently, quote, unquote, girls don't belong in crime. Now, I mean, I, the I was aghast woman. as the man on the panel, but you guys. Well, there's a lot of internalised misogyny going on with poor old so. Ma, Ma no. Parker. What a nincompoop. I knew I should never trust a girl. Oh, Ma. Yeah. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved, I loved Legs as a character. I mean, in a very kitschy, 
it's wrong kind of way. Like when they're in their prison uniforms and her measurements are across the front of the uniform. <laughs> that was pretty, that was an incredible moment. <laughs> it really was. Um, but Ma Parker, I mean, you know, if she had a Twitter account, she'd be all as a mother and it's oh, absolutely. She, she plays the mother card pretty hard. I never meant to harm anybody. I'm just a poor mother trying to get along. Uh, we open with Dick learning Greek. Gosh, Bruce, Greek is still Greek to me. It's Greek to a lot of Greeks, too. And it's the first time, I think, the season that we've seen Dick involved in a lesson, so <laughs> kick off the episode. Mm-hmm. This is how every season one episode more or less kicked off. Uh, but as we're taught, sound mind, sound body. So I think that's a good steed to really push us in the direction of this episode. Pretty much. And Aunt Harriet is in, gets a couple of scenes in this one. Normally she's just in the one of them, but um, she's a scholar as well of Greek and is, is happy to see Dick having a bit of a, of a lesson there. And also... Not as strong a scholar as Commissioner Gordon, apparently, though. No, apparently, yeah, exactly. His <laughs> reputation precedes him. When but... I look at Commissioner Gordon, I'm like, that is a man who understands languages. <laughs> he understands the world. Sure, English, he, not so much. He barely seems to understand where he is most of the time. Mm. Thankfully, he's always in his office, so, you know, that helps out some. Learning Greek. But Aunt Harriet gets another scene where she hears the Morse code coming in. Uh, it wasn't Morse code, Fiona. Sorry. It was back code. Sorry, of course it was. <laughs> I forgot where I was. And her curiosity almost gets the better of her, but then she feels shamed and said, please don't tell Bruce that I was curious. Yes, ma'am. Is she Bruce's aunt? Is that? She's Dick's aunt, which wasn't actually really explained until midway into the second season, I think. It was I... like a throwaway line. <laughs> I have some questions about this. Yes. So in the Batman comics, mm. Dick Grayson's parents were acrobats who were killed mid flight Mm. and then Batman is like oh this poor orphan I will take him on and mould him into a tiny crime fighting person for me. Is that what is canon in the 1966 Batman? Because why why hasn't Dick just gone and lived with Aunt Harriet? Well I don't think there's actually an explanation given for Dick's origin in this. So we find out well we find out in the first episode that Bruce's parents were killed. Okay. But we don't really know much else beyond that. So that's the entire grounding we're given. Well yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, we all are. I'm not as confused as Dick and Bruce at times. But... We've been duped. Or Aunt Harriet. <laughs> or Aunt Harriet. She hasn't got a clue. Bruce comes up with such bright ideas. She doesn't know what's going on. Mm. Now, Shelley Winters is the one playing Ma Parker. Is she ever? Now, you'd be across Shelley Winters' work. I would be across Shelley Winters' work, yeah. Love her work. Yeah. Uh, that voice. Incredible. Ah, boys, you listen to me and you listen to me good. Sound of a Thousand Angels. What's your favourite Shelley Winters? Well, I, I like that she's playing Ma Parker here as playing the mother thing because she has tended to play bad mothers. I'm thinking Lolita, she's she's the mm-hmm. mother in that. And A Patch of Blue, the film with Sidney Poitier, another great movie. Um, but it, Poseidon Adventure, not a mother role, but it's yeah. a memorable role. That, where that's she's, my Shelley Winters. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she can't swim, bless her. Amazing body of work. And it all comes down to the voice because that... That mellifluous voice. Haunting. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. My boys, my poor boys. What have you done to them, Batman? She is playing Ma Parker in this one. Now, Ma Parker is actually based on a real-life person named Kate Ma Baker. And this was a machine gun toting woman in the 30s who committed a bunch of crimes with her son. Uh, now, there was a film about her called Bloody Mama from 1970. This is Bloody Mama, the incredible saga of Ma Barker and her boys. Which starred one Shelley Winters. <laughs> Way. Yeah. There you go. I believe it was a Roger Corman film. Mm-hmm. Of course it yeah. was. Mm. And I can't get the Boney M song out of my head. <laughs> Having watched this, so I may well have said Mark Baker, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I can't get the song out of my head after watching that episode. 
Okay, there's probably not a lot of things to discuss in this episode, so maybe we just go through a couple of our highlights. Uh, for me, I had a couple. So Ma Parker with her rocket-powered wheelchair. Incredible. I was very <laughs> excited by that. You don't forget a thing like that. Amazing uh, effects. I really wanted it to like show back up at some point. But... Just in the background there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still going. I wonder if I could commission someone to build something like that for me. Talk to your Batmobile, mate. Yeah. Yes. Zach, Zach will help out. <laughs> uh, also, I really liked there was the scene where Batman, and this is part of his strong commitment to the road rules of Gotham City, okay, where he ended up telling a driver, he was parked in the Batmobile, aside Robin, got out of the Batmobile to tell a fellow commuter, okay, he looked like he was commuting through Gotham <laughs> with very limited traffic, but he says... May I suggest you lock your car, sir. Your local police are asking all Gotham Cityites to cooperate in their current campaign. And gives him a bumper sticker. Yeah, he had the sticker handy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, this is 1966, so I presume this is probably a new behaviour that people had to learn en masse. Mm. So, I mean, car ownership on a big way is really only about 15, 16 years old at that point. He also um, makes sure he keeps to the speed limit which is an important plot point. Very important. And also more car safety. Thanks, Batman. Yeah. He couldn't travel over 60, but I think the speed limit was 50, so mm. everything was fine. Mm. Do you think the Batmobile had cruise control to stop him doing it, or do you think he was just so focused with his war on crime that... I think it's definitely focused. It's, yeah. all, it's all the keen mind of Batman. I'd imagine. <laughs> I'm not sure how the Batmobile was tricked up to go off at 60 when it was really just a stick of dynamite under the hood. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you questioning the physics of this Sorry. episode? <laughs> I thought it was a bit weird, the guy who shoved the dynamite into the back of the car, that Batman just walks up and is like, oh, just checking out the engine on your car. <laughs> no consideration given that there could be some sort of shenanigans. He had trusty written on the back of his shirt. Yeah. So that's totally very trustworthy. That's very trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, fair point. But I also like that he tried to like dare Batman into like going over a hundred as if Batman's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. That seems cool. Yeah, Batman's going to get all fast and furious. Uh, Siobhan, what were your highlights for the episode? I mean, a personal highlight was when Robin points out that Legs has great legs, similar to Catwoman. And then they share a moment about how he's growing up into a, a young man. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That was nice. Remember. In crime fighting, always keep your sights raised. Very and speaking of Catwoman, that, that was my favourite. Yes. Just that little cameo because they did make mention of the fact that the Gotham State Penitentiary is kind of their supermax. It's where all the worst of the worst is held. So, I mean, you need to see one of them. So Catwoman in a cameo, I would have liked to see more of her. Absolutely. And a mention of Penguin and the Joker. They're still in solitary. They can just cool off there till they find out who's number one around here. <laughs> they can't make it here right now, but uh, they are here, trust me. The things I loved about that scene, one, she's in a full Catwoman costume. Yeah. <laughs> and I do wonder, like, is there no opportunity to, you know, get her some actual prison gear? Good luck trying to get Catwoman out of her cat get-up. Well, she has broken the law. Like, she's in prison. Maybe there should be some sort of adherence of, you know, prison etiquette and protocols. Uh, the other thing I liked was that at no point do you see Ma Parker and Julie Newmar in the same shot together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clearly shot on different days. Yeah, smoke yeah. and mirrors. Um, another thing with the Catwoman appearance is at what point was she actually captured and taken to prison? So all the appearances so far seem to always end with her falling to her death in some way. <laughs> and you presume that it's one of her nine lives taken. Yes. When she actually captured. So, I mean, she is captured in the Batman movie. Is okay. there a strong mm -hmm. continuity? There's in no, this TV series? There's no, there's no continuity. <laughs> because series two came after the Batman movie, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So technically the movie's taken place by now. Uh -huh. So she has been captured. Yeah. But in SBS continuity, it's a little bit further down the track. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they all go in and come out again. That's the whole recidivism thing about Gotham. But um, yeah, just go with it, I think. Yeah, sure. I knew it was a mistake ever to come to Gotham City. 
You're old enough to know that crime doesn't pay. And also there was a Milton Bell cameo. For no real reason, he played one of the prisoners who'd been enlisted as a guard and he gets talked out of the shooting Batman and Robin by Batman. Well, he was it was made apparent to him that he only had 48 years until his parole. 48 more years and I'm a free man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll be a ripe old age. <laughs> so Milton Burl, this is his first appearance on the show, but he comes back in season three. He plays a villain called Louis the Lilac. So presumably this isn't Louis that we're seeing on top of the gun tower here. I don't know how to run a prison. I've never done it before. But I would presume that if you've got a group of criminals that you don't necessarily bundle them up together. And furthermore, how many prisons are mixed gendered in Gotham? Like, it just seemed like all the men and women are just sitting alongside. I mean, sure, they're family, but even so, it seemed a bit weird to have Mara alongside of all her sons there. And Catwoman's in there too, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, surely at least different cell blocks. True. But that question is put to the warden by Batman. You're keeping Ma Parker and her daughter in the same cell block with the boys? Is this because the family that dorms together reforms together? Correct. Perfect. I also like that they were allowed, it seemed like, whatever they wanted in their cells. Like one of them, I believe Machine Gun is playing a violin (laughs) and um, Legs is reading Crime magazine. Yep. Good publication. Has your latest issue come in yet? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I have a subscription to Crime Mm. magazine. Learn about all the important crimes. And Ma's doing some needlepoint because you would give... You'd give her the, a needle. Apparently the, the worst <laughs> criminal ever some sharp pointy things, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, we spend quite a fair bit of time in the first episode building up her reputation about she's the worst. You know, But then they drop, she's also the terrible shot. She's known to be a terrible yeah. shot. So they didn't quite compute for me. <laughs> Anyone else have trouble with that? Yeah, they just, none of them could shoot at all. They all had terrible aim. That was yeah. just like a part of their character. Yeah. That was good. So we are joined in the studio with Siobhan, who you work for King's Comics, and you were telling me before we started that you were working there for a few years after high school before you went off and got your education and Mm -hmm. came back as a marketing person, still working within your organization. I've grown up around comic shops for most of my life, having gotten into comics when I was about like nine or ten. And the one thing I've noticed is the complete shift that you find with girls working in comic book stores because I very strongly remember being a teenager walking to comic stores. And when I first started seeing girls behind the counter, they were always the object of a fair bit of attention from the largely male consumer mm. within the store. Um, how have you noticed that shift happening? Because you've been there for you know a while now to actually yeah. sort of recognise the cultural changes that are really happening with the fan base. Yeah, for sure. I've been, I've been at King's for almost 10 years. And King's has always been women working at King's. It's always been very equitable. But we have about 50% female staff now. And even when I started as a 17-year-old girl, yeah. there was a fair amount of fairly uncomfortable attention from a certain... Yeah, a certain type of customer. But I think that that's something that's really changing pretty drastically these days. I think that partially that comes from the culture at the actual companies. So Mm. like Marvel Comics, not to talk about the enemy, but um, Marvel (laughs) Comics have a lot of women in the editorial department now and that all funnels down. So there are more female characters, there are more women working on the comics and I think that makes a certain cultural change. I think it also comes down to stores making an effort to make it a safe and comfortable space for women and people who might identify as non-binary or things like that because comics are for nerds and outcasts and so making those people feel welcome and comfortable is um is a big part of my job well i mean the entire thing with superhero comics is that the majority of them they have secret identities Mm -hmm. and the entire idea is that they are able to sort of be their true selves to a certain degree in public and that's kind of what drives a lot of the interest in comics exactly like superman is the original he was created by 
Jewish men as a symbol of being the alien and not being able to reveal your true self in front of people and not being able to use your superpowers for fear of being judged or treated poorly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the X-Men are the obvious metaphor exactly, for a lot yeah. of this. but Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's cool to have things where you embrace the different sides of people and I think comics definitely do that. Because, I mean, I've definitely felt that cultural shift sort mm. of uh, walking to a comic book store. Because when you walk into a comic store, it's an entirely different environment than most other stores. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's still essentially bookstores, but that's still, you know, there's that level of fandom laid over the top of it. Like, I came from Brisbane and there's a really cool bookstore there, which is dedicated to just crime books. Mm-hmm. But you walk in there and you don't really sort of see posters up everywhere of like crime type things around. (laughs) Whereas if you go into a comic book store, you do see all that sort of paraphernalia around. Absolutely. And it is a real community and there's an expectation that the staff at a comic book store know so much about Mm. comics. We know everything. We are experts in the field and you can come and chat. It's not just a place where you go to purchase things. It's a place where you go to meet other people. It's a place where you go to discuss these things and speak in the secret language that only you and your friends know about. So I think that that's a really cool thing about comic book stores. It's something that I personally really love. What were your favourites before you started working in a comic book store? Um, I mean, Archie Comics is a big me thing too. for me. Yeah, wow. Archie Comics. I have Jughead tattooed on my back. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to see that later. <laughs> um, so Archie Comics was a big thing for me as a kid and Tintin especially. Tintin's still a personal favourite. Yeah. And then when I started working in high school, I just started picking up uh, mostly Batgirl and Batman comics. That was a big thing for me in DC, especially the DC universe is my personal favourite yeah. universe. Uh, what are your favourites now? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Image Comics is a publisher which started as a reaction to Marvel and DC in the 90s. And they have really interesting stuff at the moment because it's all creator owned. So I personally, I really love, this one called Snot Girl, which is by <laughs> the guy who created... Scott Pilgrim. Mm. Snot Girl is about a like Instagram blogger, but it's got this kind of seedy undertone of like murders and stuff going on. That's mm. really cool. I love that a lot. Kill or Be Killed is a amazing crime comic as well. But Batman actually at the moment is incredible. The the creative team that they have at the moment is doing some really interesting stuff with the character. Uh, you're talking about like the Tom King books or yes, the Scott Snyder? Tom King. Tom yeah. King. I, I don't especially love the Scott Snyder books. Tom King, I think, is doing some really cool stuff. But for me personally, the artist that they have on the, at the moment is a woman called Joelle Jones who's doing amazing stuff. And this whole story arc is actually about Batman and Catwoman getting married. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing that's happening in the DC universe at the moment. Um, And so it's mostly about the various Robins, because there's many Robins now, sort of coming to terms with it. Working through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been listening to the Serious Issues uh, podcast the last couple of months, uh, I've actually started picking up the Tom King Batman and I like it. Like, it's very good. Oh, great. I'm so glad. Hmm. That's that's the purpose of the podcast. Um, So I'm glad it's doing its job. Um, Yeah, because the Snyder stuff I haven't really been so keen on. started out very strong and then it just kind of kept on going. He doesn't know how to end. He doesn't know how to stick a landing. Yeah, I'm the same with this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the things I did come away from with the Serious Issues podcast is a love for the Flintstones. There's a Flintstones comic book, and Fiona, I'm going to have to show you this thing because it's mm, amazing. Okay. Basically, it takes everything that the Flintstones used to do, uh, which is, you know, sort of minor parodies of pop culture and the world around, but it goes really hardcore into social satire. Mm-hmm. And you're really examining a lot of things like same-sex marriage through the eyes of the Flintstones. Uh, it deals with the genocide that took place to actually build Bedrock. Wow. It's a really interesting comic. It, is, it totally blew me away. I had no idea it was going to be that good. We sort of picked it up because there were all these relaunched Hanna-Barbera comics and they were mostly trash. But the Flintstones was like this incredible like 
super biting satire with incredible cartooning. This guy called Steve Pugh did the art on it and it's like, it's incredible. It would make you like laugh and cry within sort of three panels. It's amazing. Yeah, it was weird. I actually found myself getting emotional during a Flintstones book at one point. Yes, when they yeah. when they all the stuff about like returned veterans. Yeah, where yeah. apparently yabba dabba do is a thing that Fred says when he has having like PTSD flashbacks oh and just to keep going, just to keep getting through the day. Like a <laughs> la la la. Yeah, exactly. Wow. It's really a, full on. It's Someone's really got to be book. sniffing around the movie rights to bring back Flintstones as more of a darker. I mean, I hope they do because mm. this is a really great template for it. Mm. It's and this, really the sharp. same writer is actually now going to be doing a Snagglepuss comic <laughs> where Snagglepuss is a um, sort of gay southern writer, <laughs> like playwright from yeah, right. the past. Looks amazing. A bit of Truman Capote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I never really saw a point in my life where I'd be buying a Snagglepuss comic, but, you know. Here I think we are. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Hello 2017. Um, so we were talking about the perception of women in comic book stores have changed. But is there anything further that really needs to be done? Because I essentially sort of look at the industry and I see most times I walk into a comic book store, most of the customers are girls now, mm. which I think is kind of awesome. Mm. But like, is there anything else you're doing? So I know there's like some women's clubs being run through the store as well. Yeah. So I run a group called Queens of Kings, which meets once a month. And it's just a group of geeky ladies. And we talk about a specific book every month, but it sort of goes off the rails quite a lot. And we just talk about generally like comics and movies and TV shows that we're all enjoying and watching. And that's really nice because it's built up a really strong sense of community and made women who might have felt awkward or uncomfortable or may not have friends who are into comic books. That's a big thing. A lot of women get obsessed with this and then don't really have anyone to talk to about it. Mm. And it makes it a really nice, comfortable space. So I, I love doing that. That's one of my favorite things to do. And a lot of stores. Um, there's a store in Melbourne called All Star Comics. They run a group there. It's a really cool thing to do. And a bit of a plug for All Star. Like, it's a really yeah, good store as well. They're an yeah. amazing store and they do such great things. I'm very jealous of their store. It's <laughs> so good. But I think that in terms of things that still need to be done, there is still there's still room for more female creators in comic books. Mm. We don't get many female writers getting an opportunity to write non-female characters. So you want there to be a bit more freedom with stuff like that. Also in terms of editorial, I think they could do with more women because there's always just, they make a character female and then there's backlash against that. Or There was a whole thing a couple of years ago with Batwoman, who mm. is Kate Kane. Um, she's just a part of the Bat family and she's a out lesbian woman and she was going to get married. And then for some reason, the DC editorial decided that wasn't a good call. And so I think that things like that, mm. there still needs to be change with stuff like that, but more diverse voices is always going to make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that starting has changed now. So a lot of the editors at DC, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the news in the last couple of weeks, but Eddie Berganza, who's <gasps> a long-time editor. Finally. At, part of the problem here was that you had an editor who was accused of sexual misconduct within the company, but a lot of the issues were that a lot of women couldn't proceed through the editorial ranks at DC because basically his office was quarantined that no women would be working with him. Yeah. And so now that's actually changed. So you are going to start seeing a lot more women come through those editorial ranks, which I think is a good change for the comics. Yeah, me too. I hope so. So we like to wrap up every week with what we've learned from Batman. Fiona, what were your lessons this week? I'm going to take some lessons from Ma Parker's behaviour and next time when it's around Mother's Day, just going to pat Mum's hair a little bit just to make sure she's not hiding a smoke bomb in her bouffant. Looking for this, Ma, I took the precaution of removing it from your hair during the fight. You're a very clever Batman. Uh, Siobhan, what are your takeaways this week? Um, Always stick to the speed limit because you never know when there's going to be a bomb in your trunk. I think that's an important (laughs) lesson. I think also, again, keep an eye on old ladies because you never know what they've got hidden in their purse. 
Don't underestimate. Beat it, Granny. Why is that in a way for you to talk to your elders? We've already said this before, but, you know, I think it's a great lesson that we're all going to take away from this one. The family that dorms together reforms together. It's an important lesson for our penal system. <laughs> Can't be said enough. Can you say penal system? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just verifying. This has been the end of another successful Batman land. Fiona, you're on Twitter. How do people find you? You can find me at anything but Fifi. And Siobhan, you seem to be everywhere, but how do people track you down? On the uh, internet, not in real life. That's yeah, weird. please don't. Please don't yeah. follow me in real life. Uh, you can look me up at CBG on Twitter and Instagram. If you can figure out how to spell that, good for you. Otherwise, just listen to Serious Issues. I'm there every week. And it's a really good podcast. I'll vouch for that one. I'm Dan Barrett, and you can find me at the Dan Barrett, which I don't know how I came up with that name. Yeah, but that's on Twitters, and you can find me at that Dan Barrett on Facebook. I've decided to make Facebook a thing where I'm being a publicly accessible person there. Oh, look at you. Yeah, social media. <laughs> Have you heard of the Facebook, Fiona? <laughs> Another time. Another time? Okay, anyway, let's get out of here. This has been Batman Land. We'll be back next week as we explore a thrilling episode with the Clock King. I haven't seen the coming up next. Is but, that a serious thing? It's the first time I've seen it. Oh. At the end of this episode, we ended up with the tag saying next week, Clock King. And the Clock King is like a real Batman villain. He exists in the comic books. Yeah. It's got a big clock for a face. I mean, it's a mask, but... <laughs> <laughs> but we will be here for the Clock King. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave reviews wherever you found this thing. It helps other people find the show. Also, it helps the algorithm. Other people will be able to, you know, learn of the Batman land existence. It helps the algorithm. It helps the algorithm. And that's what life should be about, helping the algorithms. <laughs> So leave reviews, helps people find it. We'll be back, same Batman Land time, same Batman Land channel. Till next time. Bye.